Welcome to Mormonish Podcast. This special episode features a Q&A from a film screening sponsored by Mormonish Podcast in Salt Lake City on February 13, 2023. The film is titled The Return of Elder Pingree, Memoir of a Departed Mormon by Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker Jeff Pingree. The film follows Jeff as he returns to his mission field in Guatemala decades later to reconnect with the people he loved and taught and to process his faith deconstruction. This film won multiple awards and Jeff Pingree joined us for the screening. The podcast is the recorded pre-show and Q&A with Jeff Pingree at the screening. This wonderful film can be rented on Amazon for only $2.99. We recommend this film so much and encourage everyone to watch it and listen to this Q&A with director Jeff Pingree. Well, welcome everybody. I want to thank you so much for coming out tonight. I'm Stephen Pinecker with Mormon Book Reviews, and this is my delightful, frequent co-host, Rebecca Biblioteca. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. So we're going to get started here in a few minutes, but what we wanted to do was, well, first of all, for those of you who are not subscribed to Mormon Book Reviews, go on your phone right now and do it. And more importantly, Rebecca has the podcast Mormonish. Make sure you re, re, uh, get subscribed to that channel as well. Shameless so. self-promotion. Absolutely. I'm an evangelical <laughs> Christian. That's what we do. <laughs> so basically, uh, we just want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Um, it's We've got a pretty full house. There's still, still people trickling in. Uh, this is really a cool event. It's already, in one sense, a, a great success. And, and part of the reason that we, this has become such a great success is because many of the people who have partnered up with us. Rebecca's going to tell us a little bit about the people who have partnered with us. Absolutely. We have some wonderful sponsors and we want to have them just take a brief, very brief minute, because we're trying to start this right at seven, and tell us a little bit about their organizations. So let's start with Thrive, which is absolutely wonderful. We have Nan and Rod Osborne in the house who are going to talk to us a little more about Thrive. Big hand for Nan and Rod. You probably recognize them from Mormon No More and all their work they do with Thrive. Hey, is this on? Yep. We are glad to be here, and uh, Thrive is really happy to help sponsor this event. Um, I hope most of you already know what Thrive is. If you don't, it's a kind of a support group. The full name is Thrive Beyond Religion. So it was set up as a support group and a way to find like-minded people, find new community once you've left Mormonism. Um, there are local groups who meet up and down the Wasatch Front. You can get on the website, thrive, thrivebeyondreligion.com, or you can come find Rod or me after this is over, and we'll tell you about it. Um, there's going to be an event on March 18th at Thanksgiving Point. Um, John DeLynn and Stephen Hassin, you guys know who that is, America's cult expert are going to be there speaking. It's going to be a worldwide Thrive event, so it's going to be super fun. Anyway, we're glad we support this movie, and uh, we're happy to be sponsors. Thank you so much. Awesome. 
Okay, one of our other wonderful sponsors is, if you've been watching the promo, Mormon Stories. Um, John says hello to everybody. He's, I think, on a cruise, a vacation. Much needed vacation. Yes, a much needed vacation, but he has sent the lovely Maven in his stead to just say a few words about Mormon Stories, the lovely Maven, who in looks incredible tonight. That's right. <laughs> I'm so scared that I'm going to have like a timber moment because um, I have had them. And so like once you start, there's no stopping it. Um, anyway, uh, yes, I didn't tell John that I was going to be coming dressed as a Victorian hooker, but um, I just decided to have fun with it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm having a good time. I've, I've been at home a lot, and so I'm just happy to get out of the house. But anyway, yes, um, John sends his love and support, as well as the OSF board and the Mormon Story staff, and uh, we're excited and glad to have been a part of this. And thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you, Maven. Okay, another one of our sponsors that you probably saw on the slideshow was not able to be here tonight. His name is Bill Knowlton, and he is the founder of a clothing line called Ally Parent Apparel. And you can probably guess um, from the name what the mission of this clothing line is. He's a member of the community, he's a parent, and he's an ally. And he wanted to find a way that all of us could wear a hat, put on a sweatshirt or something um, to show our support, even to a random stranger who may just happen to see you and need to see that support that day. So um, he's done a lot to support this project. And in fact, um, if everybody wants to reach in front of the table in front of you, there are three little slips of paper where you have won um, some ally parent gear. So the, the table in front of you, reach under it, pull it out. It's taped there. There should be three. He's giving a hat, a hoodie, and a t-shirt. There are instructions. Oh, if you sat on the front row, I'm so sorry. The backyard uh, professor wah, wah, is not going to win wah. anything. I am really sorry. Raise your hand if you find it. If it's not right in front of you, knock your neighbor out of the way. Maybe they can't find it. They're taped under the tray right in front of you. It's a big piece of paper, and it says, congratulations, you have won either a hat or a T-shirt or a hoodie from Ally Parent. So is anybody finding them? I taped them there. Oh, there we've got one. Okay, anybody else? Hold it up so everyone can see what it looks like. Can you hold it up so they can see what they're looking for? It's a long piece of paper. That's right. Okay. So feel your way along. There's three out there, and you, you can go to the website and choose one. So anyway, Ally Parent Apparel, please check that out um, with the wonderful Bill Knowlton. Okay. So uh, before we get started, first of all, we want to thank Jeff Pingree for coming. Um, and we're going to... And we're going to do a Q&A as soon as the movie's over. But I wanted to... There's one person here that I wanted us to acknowledge because very shortly, an institution here in Salt Lake City will be shutting its doors. And that is Utah Lighthouse Ministries, founded by Gerald and Sandra Tanner. And Sandra Tanner is in the house. And I want to thank her so much. Please acknowledge her. We love you. We love you, Sandra. We love you. So thank you, Sandra. You've been a real inspiration to me. And again, folks, this movie is a beautiful movie because it's a, it's a movie about a person's journey of faith. And Jeff and I have had conversations about that. But also, it's in many ways, it could be a faith-promoting film, too. And that's what I think is it's, it's a beautiful intersection of what we're doing with Mormon Book Reviews, where all the voices of the Restoration are heard. And we, uh, that's what's so important. So this room full is full of TBMs, 
uh, post-Mormons, LGBTQ people, and evangelicals. We're all under the same roof. That's a miracle. And I want to thank you so much for making it happen. So let's get the show on the road. Let's do it. All right, everybody. What would you all think of the film? So, uh, Elder Pingree, why don't you uh, come on down and let's thank uh, Elder uh, uh, Jeff Pingree so much for the Richard. beautiful work you did. Let's give him a standing ovation, folks. Richard. Oh, sorry. It wasn't me. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> so good. All right. So... Um, Jeff, what was it like? What was it like? We're going to pass the microphone around in a couple of minutes. So for those of you who have some questions, um, what was it like watching this movie tonight in this theater? Um, not as bad as I imagined. I've, 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 I've told him before that I almost never sit through this movie. So um, it's just hard to watch. Too much of me. Yeah, I mean, this is a really powerful film. Like you said, if he had made it five years later or sooner, it'd be a different film. Because this really is about his journey. But wasn't it just beautiful? Like, you know, when I watched this, and we, we, we interviewed Jeff twice in our program, one of the things I said, I'm watching this film, like, no, Jeff, don't, don't tell him he left. Because you could tell their faith was so important to them, you know, and that's what makes it so complicated, you know, for you, because you have to talk to these people, and you're in that room, and this isn't a movie, this is real, man. What was it like having those kind of engagements? Well, I want to answer that by kind of going to a point that gets to it, which is, I think the, the place where I've received the most um, active resistance and engagement on the film that has uh, been difficult for me is people saying, why did you do this to those people? You know, was, this was a pretty selfish act, really, because it's about you, it's about you, but what about them? And, and I see that point. Um, obviously, the fact that it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> means I see that point. Um, but I also kind of had to make a choice, and I, I guess in the end I thought, I have to take them seriously. I have to believe that they're going to make their own path. And um, so really the, mo- the best form of respect would be to talk to them directly and say, this is who I am, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you who I am, and, you know, where are you? It, the the, the thing, things felt very... Well, you could see it in the film. Things felt very kind of two sides, binary, when I was there, and it was very hard for them to kind of, you know. And I, I later thought, wow, we didn't connect at all, and you know, they, we, we weren't speaking the same language theologically at all. But there was something about just sharing, you know, the time and talking about not believing the same thing anymore, which is something. I mean, I, I've been thinking about this idea that that. Uh, Doing, doing kind things for people is actually becomes a form of understanding. And so I think that there was, there was something subtle that I, I realized was in my relationship with these people. It would be kind of inaccurate to say, oh, they're great friends and nothing's changed. That's not true. But I think that there, there's a, still a, a respect or maybe a kind of a reverence for just them as people, me as a person, that we had an important experiences together and... The next step doesn't need to be kind of destruction by virtue of difference, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things that troubles me the most is just why, 
if someone says, now I believe something different than you, people have to start breaking family relationships. I don't, that, that's really sad. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why we're here tonight is a couple of months ago, my co-host, Rebecca Biblioteca, when I, we do our Mormon Media Review segments, brought this movie to my attention and said we need to give this movie a platform. And so we had Jeff on and we gave it a platform and now we have a packed theater sharing this beautiful story that's kind of slipped under the cracks. So Rebecca, I just want to thank everybody. Let's thank Rebecca for the great job she's done. And so, I, uh, Rebecca, was there anything you wanted to ask Jeff before we started passing around the microphone or any comments no, you want to make? No, I think I'd love to give our audience a chance yeah. to ask some questions. So I think if anybody wants to raise their hand, I think my oldest child is going to be passing the mic around to everybody. So thank you, Trevor, for volunteering. There you go. If anybody has a question, there you go. Perfect. I don't really have a question, Brother Jeff. I just wanted to thank you for that. I think a lot of us went on missions, you know, with with that love and belief. And I've been back to uh, France several times as a still as a Mormon and as a non-Mormon. And I've been so confronted with the relationships that I've kept, you know, for 30 years. And that really showed your authenticity in that. Really showed that. There's a connection, an authentic connection beyond the dogma and traditions and, and ordinances and all these things that just kind of kept us busy. It never really gave us an opportunity to develop a relationship beyond Mormonism. And I really felt that those people loved who you were in the end. So I just thank you. Thank you. There's a lot to say about that, but thank you. I really appreciate it. Can you talk a little bit about that timeline? Uh, I believe a lot of time, uh, many times in the movie, you, you had mentioned 25 years. So clearly, there's been some time. Can you just talk a little bit? To that have, you, have you read that director's statement that's sitting out there? Um, yeah, I missed that. Sorry. It's. I mean, this thing took me 13 years after I started. Right, I shot. I shot this in 2006 and seven, thinking I was then soon going to edit it and, and release it. And I, you know, went through eight different cuts and years of, uh, you know, basically depression about the film. I came to believe I would not finish this thing. Um, and I think it's just because, and I've said this to various people, I think it's because it came to represent my kind of statement on the world, my life. And how can you do that? Who, who does that? I mean, what's yours, right? Uh, I just couldn't let it go. I couldn't finish it. I didn't know how to finish it. Um, and I mean, you see where I landed. I was just absolutely <laughs> ecstatic to find a way out. So uh, the timeline is, I guess, now what, 15 years later? Still, that's pretty amazing. Kind of hard for me to believe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a long time where I thought, um, that's me in the film now, but it's not me in the film now. It's like, it was clearly looking much better. See, and that's, that's something about it that I really appreciated. I felt like we got to meet young Elder Pingree through his journals and his pictures and his cassette tapes to his brother. And then we met Elder Pingree as he's 
revisiting Guatemala and interaction with the people. And then we meet the voiceovers and Elder Pingree Moore current. So three versions of a wonderful person. I thought that was a really important part of the film. So. Well, it, it was for me structurally because it, it took me a long time to get to it and it gave me a way to use the stuff that I had. I had all these slides and journals and letters. But to create a structure where... Um, uh, you, you you believe that that person is me, and it's also impossible for me to believe that person is me. Both feel very true to me. I can see exactly where I came from and who that is, and that's the same person. But then I also think, wow, you just were so far away from where you are now. You're a different world, a different life. And I want, I guess I wanted those things to be in play. I wanted there to be a real sense of, you know, is this multiple persons? Is it the same person? What's been happening? Sorry. Yeah, me? Am I the? Am I speaking? I guess I am. Um, if you have the mic, you're speaking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. That was such a trip. Um, oh, gosh. I don't know if I'm glad I saw it. Um, no, I am. I mean, some of, the, some of my most important artistic experiences have been things that I wondered if, I, if I'm glad I saw. So... Thank you for making it. Um, it certainly, you know, is not a feel-good film, in my estimation. Um, it wasn't. For, it isn't for me. But you put, uh, you know, in images and and uh, words something that I have felt for you know forty years since I've been back from my mission, and um, you know that whole idea is. You know, do you do you go back? I mean, not you know uh, physically necessarily, but do you try to you know how do you make peace with that? And uh, you know, I love to hear I love hearing you talk so honestly about it that you know you really maybe don't, and that's the truth, and that's really hard to hear, but uh, I think really necessary. So anyway, thank you for making this film. Thank you. I, can I just say something to that? Um, you know, the, uh, the title, which at first kind of sounds a little bit, I don't know, playful or tricky or giz gizmo, right? You know, The Return of Elder Pingree. Um, but the, t the title stayed from the very beginning, and, and the more time that passed, the more I liked it because it, it has so many layers of meaning. What does that return? Is it return to the church? Is it return to Guatemala? Is it return to yourself? I'd like to think that even though this was kind of a story plot-wise about someone leaving with the Mormon church, it's actually as a kind of spiritual journey a move forward. Um, and so in that sense, I think the return is, you know, the kind of endless return of our lives, which is we always kind of like question ourselves, but it has to somehow add up to some kind of a movement forward, hopefully. So, um, yeah. I think we also had a comment over here, Trevor. So maybe after that. Yeah. <laughs> it's dark. It's hard to see. Raise them high. <laughs> did, in your research and stuff, did you contact any of your um, American companions as well and connect with where they are in their faith journey? I did. And there was a time when there's a lot to this film that is not in the film. Um, there was a time when I thought that they would be in, in the film, but um, 
there was something really different about my interviews with them. They were harsher in their judgments, um, which is okay. They were, I guess I feel like the thing that emerged in the film that was really important to me about my relationships with the people in Guatemala wasn't happening when I was talking to my American companions. Not that I didn't have love or connection to them, but whatever was happening in Guatemala was something different. It, you know, when I said it, it, the church felt different here. I didn't, you know, and I don't feel like in the U.S. I have a place in the church. I did kind of feel like I had a place in the church there because it was so strange to me. And, you know, I didn't, I just felt like kind of wherever I was was okay. And so the interviews with my, my North American companions were really, really different. And at a certain point, I just kind of thought about it and looked at what was here, and I thought, no, this film should be just a film in Guatemala. I want to, you know, I mean, it goes back to Utah for Carlos Samalo, but really, it's about being in Guatemala with the people in Guatemala. You notice that I, I had a lot of footage of people in just transit on buses, moving around. I really wanted to have the people, kind of an anonymous sense, be a presence in the film, and um, so, yeah, that might. I uh, served in southern Mexico, just north of where you were, about a year, year and a half before. I found it to be very cathartic, uh, very much my same experience, uh, building some deep, deep relationships with people that uh, to this day I have a love for, and being ripped from them. When you get a call in the morning and you're told to be on the bus that night, or the following morning, and it really res resonated with me. Um, I, I loved your, I appreciated your um, your journaling. Somebody had a, a great idea that told my mother before I went on my mission, and they said, oh, you need to have Kent take a journal that has pages that can be taken out, and he can write on his journal and send the pages home so we get to know what's going on. So I foolishly did that. Uh, the problem was, is trying to be honest with yourself and writing things when you knew you needed to show that you were a believer. And I have a few pages that I wrote and I kept. I've never read my journal. Uh, to this day, it's been uh, 43 years. When did you read your journal when you got home from your mission? It, it took me a long time. And it, since I'm being honest, um, when I knew I had to read my journals, I had four volumes, and I knew I needed to read them in order to go back. But I couldn't bring myself to do it, so I paid my producer to read them and bring excerpts to me. <laughs> And we talked about it, and I kind of remember what was in there, but I, so it was hard. I mean, that, that was one of the reasons that I was kind of drawn in a perverse way towards this project, is why I was so resistant to, to looking at that archival material I had compiled while I was there, of pictures and journals and letters and tapes. It's just like, what, I was documenting my life. Well, I know that um, several people have been inspired by this to go and dig out their missionary journals. My co-host on Mormonish, I think he's in the booth, um, he dug out his journal and contacted people from his mission and made some new connections. So the film is inspiring people to do things they never would have done, ever. So it's hard to read those. 
So, yeah. <laughs> Who do we have next? Let's see. Oh, there you go. God, you've been telling me what to do for 27 years. We met in the MTC before we went to Guatemala in 96. Um, so this has been a pretty crazy experience for John and I to sit here and, and watch your pictures and your video. Um, nothing changed from the years that you were there to 96 and 98, by the way, in terms of the roads. Um, I wanted to congratulate you and, and, and just for those that maybe haven't been to Guatemala, um, <clears throat> share a little bit about the, the authenticity of the people that came through in your filmmaking. A week ago tonight, I sat in my older brother's house and uh, looked at him with him and his wife on the couch and my wife on the couch and I said, well, you've been saying it to everybody else. I need you to say what you've been saying to me, to my face. <clears throat> so I didn't have my um, experience within three to five years. I waited about 25 years. Um, and he still denied having um, said all kinds of horrible things about me leaving and trying to get my wife out. And that really juxtaposes against your experience with the Guatemalans, the love. Um, they have a capacity for authentic love that we can't even imagine. And it came through. So while there may be some judgment, I did not see or feel the judgment in the sister that you spoke to, that you felt that you had a, a mother relationship, mother-son relationship with that I um, am still dealing with with my family. So I just wanted to say congratulations, beautiful film, um, and a really bad idea to come watch it because it uh, stirred a lot of emotions. <laughs> Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I'm, I hope that that's good in the big picture. Um, but I, when I was just mentioning the difficulty in wanting to include the interviews with my North American companions, I think it's partly because I realized that in talking about our differences, the relationship was in question. And with the Guatemalans, my relationship never felt like it was in question. We had questions, but I didn't feel like the relationship was in question. I mean, and you know, you see it when she's got my arm there and she's saying, you know, I'd rather that you kill me, but you know, I don't leave, please come back. It, I didn't really feel any farther away from them. I just felt like things were, you know, there was a different conversation. So, thanks. Hi, can you tell us what your feelings are on the church now, if you're comfortable? Well, I mean, it's been, <clears throat> 30 years since I've gone to church. Um, my parents are both active in the church. My dad died two years ago and was active, and we were very close. He supported this film very strongly. Um, so I have had a connection to it, to my family. There are six kids in our family, and by my account at this point, only one, one of the children is really devoted to the church. Um, but we're still a pretty close family. I, I'd like to think that, and I'm, I'm answering your question this way because I'm, I'm trying to kind of think about what, what connects me to the church, and it's that. I, I, you know, there are things 
beliefs that if I if I agree, I agree, and they're mostly having to do with what I talked about. I go straight to kind of like New Testament stuff, Christian principles. That works. That makes sense to me. But you know, institutionally, organizationally, no, I don't. I I have huge issues and problems. And I mean, you're this is a very gentle, mild version of me right now. I can get pretty pissed off about. You know, I just, just, yeah. So, you know, if I have a testimony, I guess it is. That is what you heard. I don't think that's changed much. I, I believe in love. That's what I believe in. I see that. I see what happens. I see people connecting with each other. I believe in kind of a good connection with other people. That's what I move towards. That's what I wanted to push this film towards. That's what I'm trying to move towards. And it hasn't crossed with the church at all, really, for a while. So... But but I also I'm not you know I I never felt the desire to attack or destroy the church I just you know need to be let respected to do what I do and you know it, the church is obviously changing so much uh, that's just, obviously it's a separate conversation but having been away for so long you know I was having dinner with these guys the other night and we were just talking and I realized that Rebecca left much more recently and so she's familiar with the whole history of what's been going on in the church that I'm just not I'm far away from. Lucky you. <laughs> no, I have to say that part where you bear your testimony, the people that I've talked to about this, that is the moment. They just, they love it. It's, I know, clap, clap for that. It's uh, pivotal and it's beautiful and it's so well stated and, and you just, I think, say what a lot of us feel right there. So it was a beautiful moment. I love that part. So who's next? Cheryl, there's some, a couple people in the back if we turn around and maybe send it. Oh, she's, she's going to, we're going to get it in the back. We'll get it in the okay, back. Okay. <laughs> okay, is it? Okay. So I noticed that you intentionally left in the Concepcion where things are way harder in that area. And I, you didn't expand as much on why you believe, but I think that why you believe that much of them were no longer practicing. But my question is, do you think that it has to do with the cultural disparity, where in the areas where it wasn't so war-torn, where it wasn't so awful, the church pre provided more of a community and a friendship and more of a day-to-day -day joy for people, where in a merit-based religion, in places where you're seeing people shot to death in the streets every day, I would think that the belief in God would be harder, or was that way out in the weeds sorry no that's really interesting because i kind of see it i see it both ways i i see it on the one hand that 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 there are probably people for whom that's true i also think for some people it absolutely you know solidifies this this life connection that they have this is what i have to hold on to given that everything else is falling apart um and really when i step back and think about it honestly I don't see any compelling patterns. I think that it happens in a lot of different ways. Um, there's, there's no question in my mind that the more desperate you are in life, the more vulnerable you are to a lot of persuasion. And some persuasion is good. It, it should happen. But, you know, you, you want something that explains why your life is so shitty, really, right? And... Who doesn't want to understand that? And and so and I I, did, I do think that your circumstances make you very much more uh, sensitive to or susceptible to different kinds of narratives. So I don't know. Um, 
Thanks. And the, 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 you're talking about the last town, right? Where I, I went and... <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, you know, I think that just specifically about that town, it's because it became the, the, literally the center. Like, the, the, we, we had to be out because the, basically the police said, they wake up at 1 o'clock, and after 1 o'clock you don't want to be here. And, you know, the whole film, you saw it partly, but I didn't go anywhere in that whole month in Guatemala without a huge police escort behind me. It was required by law. We couldn't not have them. And so, you know, everywhere I went in these small towns, I'm, here's me, very tall camera guy with a big camera, sound, boom, people walking here, and then the police behind them. So it was kind of intrusive, right? Even though, it, the, remarkably, the people didn't seem to respond that way. But, but that, that town, to me, was just, I think some bad stuff happened there. So. so we only have about 13 minutes left to use the theater here. So I want everybody who has a question to raise your hand real tall so Trevor can see. Okay. And just try to keep the questions uh, brief so that um, we can get all these questions in before we have to leave at 9 o'clock. And then, of course, we will be socializing in the bar area, so we could also talk to Jeff there, too. Taking it outside. <laughs> hey, thank you. I'll be really quick. But just just thanks to, all the, to a lot of missionaries like me that have left um, just great mission great great movie that um, uh, helps us reconcile that difference when we served 100% and now we're out and we're still 100% so it's like we just are honest with ourselves and so it's always tough and my wife had to leave but she grew up in Guatemala and was great friends with her mottos and and they're still one of our great friends and just thank you for that movie and the one question I guess I would have is most of us left 30 years after our mission. So how are you so inspired to leave in the 80s, five years after your mission? That's a really good question. Separate, separate film, I think. I was just going to say, you know, you're talking, I'm just thinking, yeah, I mean, you cared then and you care now, right? That's, that's, the, that's what matters. You cared. You still care. So... Hi, Jeff. Uh, um, I was struck by your last journal entry. Um, you were an assistant to President Amato, and your last journal entry said you felt hollowness and emptiness as you were leaving the country. That's not what one would expect from a, an assistant to the president as they're going home. Tell, tell us about that, if you would. Yeah, it surprised me that that was there. Um, it's not that I didn't remember it that way. I just didn't remember. And so when I when I looked at that, I, I remember thinking. I, I guess there was kind of a double consciousness that I had, where I was had a relationship with him, and you know I was absolutely going through various um, ways of thinking about how can I stay worthy, how can I stay committed, how can I go home and still get up at six and pray every day, and can you know. And then there was that. There were really two different voices that I was writing out, and that was just a different one. And I hadn't just it surprised me when I saw it, but it, I didn't feel in, at all untrue to what I was was happening. I think what I said about being on the plane it was really it was that's about as close to a spiritual manifestation as I've ever had. Was the one telling me that the church wasn't going to work for me, and it wasn't you know it wasn't wasn't angry and cruel at all. It was kind of sad and peaceful. So, 
congratulations on a tender and really graceful right up here tender and graceful film um it really really was just exquisite and beautiful and kind and tender um one of the i mean there were many just powerful moments in this but one that really just pulled on all the pathos of humanity was when you met with miriam uh i mean there we and i no, i'm not messing around i want to ask you what that was like because you know here you have the passage of time lifetimes have passed you were there as a, a young hormonal man with with some kind of i'd say messed up programming regarding sex or at least very restricted somewhat artificial right you know and then you've progressed as a person can you add add to that amazing scene <laughs> i can actually i mean it's um I mean, I, I really was into Miriam on my mission, and uh, I... She was into you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, I mean, it's fascinating because, you know, the, the, the producer who's sitting next to me there and the whole conversation was my girlfriend at the time. So, and Miriam had no problem when I said, you know, what would you have done if I'd kissed you? I would have kissed you back, you know? And so, um, that, that was a great moment because I was pretty sure she was going to say that, and I really wanted to ask that question. Um, but her husband, who was a really jealous guy, he came home and was unhappy, and so we kind of like had to exit pretty fast <laughs> from there. I mean, yeah. So. Okay, so let's hit, put our hands up. Who's got the I, next I mic? I have the okay, mic. Great, there we go. Um, first off, I just want to say thank you. I've been home from my mission for about. 20 years this year so you've told me that i have five more years to start thinking about this because it's been on my mind and i think the most poignant thing for me was all of the journal passages for me that was my only outlet in just what was a very stressful and traumatic time in my life and i've thought a lot about it and i feel like it's this trauma that i need to resolve and i kind of got this sense that you know over the years you were you know as you were mulling over it and preparing to to do this film and to return and to do all of that, that there's all the turmoil. So I guess my question for you is, and especially with the way that you ended the film by saying, if I had ended it five years ago, it would have been different. If I'd ended it five years from now, it would be different. I, I think I'm trapped in that and I feel like I can't resolve my story. And I'm just wondering if going through this process and ending it where you did, if you feel any resolve or if you think there will still be more that you'll need to do to kind of capture this and to continue to work through it, I guess. That's such a good question. And it, it gets at the whole, you know, structure of story, which is all you obsess about when you're making a film like this. Um, and, and I did hope I would find something and whatever I hoped I would find, I definitely did not find, you know, I can talk about how it kind of, underscored process rather than any kind of conclusion or result. But, but I will say this, and maybe this will sound like an odd thing, but it might help you. I made this film a couple of times, a couple of earlier versions, no journal entries, no audio tapes of me talking at my farewell, no tapes to my brother. Those, those are, just so you know, like if I'm going to leave this what when I'm watching it, that's when I'm going to leave, because those are about as difficult for me to watch as anything because there's something about, there's something so vulnerable for me about listening to my 19 year old self talk about this. 
and write about Miriam. And, 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 you know, I put in stuff that was just really, I guess, you know, I'd say, I'm not putting that in there. That's no way that's going in the film. And then I'd think about it and think, you know, and I'd, people would say, you have to put it in. I'd say, ugh. And eventually it would, it would be in the film. And, and everyone responded to that. That made the film change entirely. And so I, I do think there was something happening um, about going back and looking at what you wrote and trying to, like, I mean, this sounds, I, I, I don't mean exactly this, but in, in some very positive, personal way, own it. Because I'm still, I still, I will never feel not vulnerable when this is happening on the screen. Because I'm thinking, what an idiot I was, you know? But, but also just, I'm so exposed. Um, but, but I think maybe if you're exposed in that way, it, it, some sense of exposure that you can kind of moderate yourself by writing or looking at your writing and thinking about it. That's kind of what happened with me, and I didn't set out to do that. I just stumbled into it. Uh, so, first of all, I it's been quite a long time since I left the church, and um, while my process included some years of maybe some anger and frustration, I really am not there personally anymore. So coming here, I um, I don't think I really expected to just be ripped open in the first five minutes. Um, your first journal entry in the MTC, I just unexpectedly am like, well, I'm weeping right now. I did not, and I couldn't help but think of my brothers, particularly one who ended up having to leave the MTC because He'd lost over 20 pounds in 30 days. He was so depressed that he couldn't function. And time and time again, your journal entries did that to me. So just thank you for that. Um, but I write in this particular comment, which is not a question, I really I don't want to speak so much to the LDS side of things, even though I know that most of us here probably share a commonality in some of the pain that we've experienced in leaving the church. And, but I really want to speak to just the human element in a world that's so masked and so disingenuous in so many ways that this spoke to my human part in its raw honesty. And I just wish that we saw more things like this in general, not just about someone's experience leaving the church, but of people's life experience, because it was so, I mean, I, I would be surprised to find that there's a person in this room that didn't deeply want to give you a hug at some point during that. I really did, desperately. And not just you right now today, which thank you for doing this, but I really wanted to hug the 19-year-old version of you. Yeah so bad so just thank you human to human soul to soul for this honest example of what we should really be creating as a family to help each other grow thank you for saying that and um, yeah, he did need a lot of hugs I think Jeff will be available for hugging out in the lobby after <laughs> so we're just about want to wrap this up do we do, does anybody want to do a one last quick question or okay do I guess we do Okay. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to thank you for that. So I do cry easily. Put the microphone a little close. I go. think I was on a mission about the same time you were in 82. 
in um, Costa Rica and Panama, and I loved every minute of it. And I had never felt so much love. I have maintained relationships with several people because, you know, I felt like we were eternal friends, you know. And then in the last several years, just the last few years, I've stepped away from the church. And, you know, I'm just, I'm really afraid to tell them for disappointing them. That's the hard thing I'm dealing with. I haven't reached a point where I feel like I can just be myself. But it was really special to see how you were able to just talk to them and be yourself. I don't know if I could do that. I'd like to. Do you have any suggestions? <laughs> uh, it's one of the hardest things to do, and I, I don't think I do it very well at all. I think this film ex inflates how I do it because when you, you know, when you've put in the money and the time and the planning, you've got a whole film crew standing there. You got to go go forward. <laughs> I mean, it. You know, uh, it was it was not. I, I just remember waking up every day in the hotel room and. You know, looking at what our shooting schedule was that day and just getting more and more depressed. I was like, oh, I'm going to disappoint these people today. I'm going to disappoint some more people. But I don't know. I mean, I think they know that I really respect them. So, folks, um, I want to thank you so much for coming out today. And uh, do you, did you enjoy this? Do you want us to do stuff like, some more stuff like this? Woo!